Listeners, did you know we do a live stream every Monday after each Grand Prix, where we review and react to our favorite bits of the race weekend, take questions, and get your thoughts? It's over on our YouTube channel, at GravelTrapF1. The link is in the description of this episode, so while you're listening, head over there, subscribe, and after the next Grand Prix, come join the conversation. We really hope to see you there. Fibrahim! Fibrahim is here with us. No, F1 Ibrahim. (laughs) F1 Ibrahim, yes. F1 Ibrahim. Yes. Welcome back to Gravel Trap F1. I'm still Christina. And I'm still Caroline. Silverstone was alive with British pride this weekend. It was filled with all sorts of surprises. We even had an 11th team on the grid. Yes, Apex GP. And in today's Formation Lap, we'll explore what we know about the upcoming film featuring Brad Pitt and Damson Idris. And in the Grand Prix, we take a look at one of the major upgrades McLaren brought to the race, and it's not the one you think. At the checkered flag, our British correspondent F1 Ibrahim joins us to talk about how thrilling it is to attend the British Grand Prix. Buckle up. Lights. Camera. Action. In this formation lap, does not feature Brad Pitt, except it totally does because we will be talking about Brad today and his movie Apex and all of the work that is going into it because gosh darn it, there's a lot of speculation going on online about how they're putting together this movie. And so much of it is just one, not how they would allow things to happen in F1 and two, not how the movie industry does things anyway. So let's chat a little bit about what it's going to take to make Apex. And I will preface this by saying We don't publicly know a lot necessarily about how they're making this movie. So a lot of this is me just saying this is how we do it in the Vancouver movie industry. And most likely a lot of that is going to carry over into the Apex movie. Disclaimer, Brad Pitt is not going to be on this episode. He is not waiting in the wings. He is not being guest interviewed. Could just couldn't get in touch with Brad. So sad. Come on. But... Let's just do a quick recap first before we get into nitty gritty stuff of what we actually know about this movie so far. We know the plot line is going to be that Brad Pitt, he is playing retired racer Sonny Hayes, and it's a former F1 driver who moves away after having a huge accident in the 90s. So I imagine we're also going to get flashbacks then of Brad Pitt in a 90s car, which I think it's cool. I think that's smart. Play on the nostalgia of F1 fans because that always gets them going. And then now the story resumes where years after that incident, years after his glory days, he gets pulled back in by struggling F1 team owner played by Javier Bardem and who most recently was the father in The Little Mermaid. Oh, King Triton? Yes. And he also played a Bond villain. The man has range. We like it. He's playing the team principal. And we actually got to see a clip of him on the grid this week, this past weekend. He was the one in the tan suit as they were walking through Mm. all of the cars, I believe. So only saw a clip from the back of his head, but I do think that's what we were seeing. Brad Pitt gets brought in by this team principal to be a mentor to young phenomenon Joshua Pierce, played by Damson Idris. Nice little buddy film. And that's the plot line is probably one of the reasons why it's going to work well with filming with the rest of the teams and with the grid is that the story to a large extent is very self-contained. It is about 
an inter-team dynamic. It's not two rival teams fighting it out. It is how does this team stage a comeback? So a lot of people are wondering, oh, are the F1 drivers and team principals, are they going to have lines? Are they going to be full-blown characters? And from the sounds of it, yes, they're always going to be on camera at one point or another. But it'll be interesting to see who they pick or how they end up having them maybe have lines. Because as we've seen from some of their press, it's questionable their acting skills at times it's not always they're not actors okay it varies it varies driver by driver (laughs) yes like i imagine we're 100 gonna get scenes with lewis hamilton because he's also a producer on the film his production company Mm -hmm. don apollo is involved with making this movie so we are going to get scenes with lewis but as far as the other drivers having actual lines i don't imagine a lot of it would necessarily be scripted but like we saw with Carlos this weekend, walking alongside the other two actual actors. Very You'll exciting. You'll have a lot of plants like that where they're doing natural things that they would normally do. So you'll get clips of them like talking in driver meetings or walking, doing grid walks and things like that. And even maybe just having chill, normal conversations like they normally would, but just having them mic'd up kind of thing and have it just be like, how was your race weekend? And little chit chat like that. So it will be interesting to see how they end up using the actual drivers or the actual team principals. But for now, we're still kind of wondering about that one. Mm. I have a question. Yes. Will Brad Pitt be in next season's Drive to Survive on Netflix? Will we I see a so. Brad Pitt feature? Do you think? I think so. I th- Honestly, I think it's too good to pass up because for one, it's yeah. built in publicity for Mm -hmm. him also he's just going to be around so many races i imagine we are going to get clips of him on the grid and like around the racetrack i don't know if we'll get full interviews or if it'll just kind of be these passing comments from drivers about the sport has grown so much or from lewis being like yes i'm concentrating on this but i'm thinking about other things as well you know i know i have a lot that i can do after i retire from racing but right now i'm able to balance it all i think it'll very much be a blink and you miss it kind of a thing but it'll be obvious yes that they're filming i think Ooh, that's exciting yeah if i were netflix i would go ahead and for at least one episode next season treat apex gp like a real team do driver interviews because then the movie could use that that's true um, at least in the promotional stuff you never quite know what they're going to do collaboration wise or promo wise at least it'll always be interesting to see but The other big question that a lot of people seem to be wondering about is how the stunt work and the driving is going to happen. Because we've heard Brad Pitt's going to be driving an F1 car. What? How can he drive an F1 car? He hasn't been given a super license. Oh my gosh. Like that was a big kerfuffle when this was first announced. But it has been clarified since then that he is driving a modified F2 car. It's a dummy F1 car. So Power of an F2 car, which is steps below the F1, much simpler steering wheel, et cetera, et cetera, all of that good stuff. But they do look like genuine F1 cars. Like it's it's been very well done as far as what we've seen so far. Very impressed with that. But the other big important thing to remember here as well is that stunt work is always rehearsed. It is always immaculately planned out down to every single detail. And we saw that a little bit this weekend. They were doing laps around and they were driving wheel to wheel around cops specifically like doing the exact same maneuver a handful Mm -hmm. of times on each of those laps and that's how it's going to go 
it's not going to be this big. I, I cannot imagine they would ever have driving at top speeds. And I put top speeds in air quotes because these are F2 cars. So their top speed is not F1 top speed. They're going to do some movie magic to, you know, make everything blur by faster. So that way it looks like they're going at a top, top speed. But you're never going to see them, I don't think, actually having all 22 cars on a track at the same time because that would be incredibly dangerous. That's just too many variables. And you can do stuff that's more risky like that when they're all stunt drivers or when they're all right. professionals. But whenever you have the actors in the car, unless they're Tom Cruise, you're taking it a step back and you're doing it so that way it's super, super safe. So one of the things I've heard is that a lot of the times it's just going to be our two actors in their two dummy cars on track and then they're going to CGI in the couple of cars that are leading or trailing them in a race, which a lot safer a lot more Mm -hmm. secure, controlled. They're going to be doing things like donuts or spinning out or stopping the car because whenever that happens during race, it's big and dramatic. And it's a dramatization of F1. Not that it needs any help, but we know those things that make a race track (laughs) and a race very exciting is when the engine fails or when a tire blows. All of those things, anything that's going to happen on track that you're going to see being filmed is going to be pre-planned. They're not just going out there willy-nilly and seeing what happens. Yeah. Okay. I do have to ask, what do we think of their livery and race suits? I think that because of Lewis Hamilton's presence as a producer, I'm seeing a lot of Mercedes influence, especially in the livery, Mm -hmm. which is fine. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's cool. I actually think that their color scheme that they chose and everything that the way that they're painting it, so to say, is really accurate, really spot on. I really love to see it. Everyone's calling it, you know, the Haas livery from rich Rich energy. Energy. That's like how it was supposed to be. Um, Christina, I actually think it was a video that you made that I saw that was like, it's hilarious to me that these companies are sponsoring this car that's not even a real F1 car, but they're not like actually sponsoring actual f1 cars that are on the grid i was like that's hilarious (laughs) that's hysterical it's a choice (laughs) the part that surprises me is that they picked white and black as their base colors and it surprised me for one reason very frequently in movies you pick a signature color for your leads so that way they pop and stand out comparatively to everybody else and you have on that grid already cars that are mostly white and you have the mercedes that are mostly black so it it kind of just does surprise me that they didn't pick a show-stopping color but it also leads into my theory that maybe this is their start of the season livery and that we'll mm. see like the team has changed the team has grown and then poof, makeover Honestly, that's a really good theory because I had that, I had that thought with the picture that they, that F1 posted about with the walkout with the two actors and Carlos, because your eye goes immediately to Carlos in the red and he's in the background. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think you, I think you've got a good Mm -hmm. theory. Yeah. Color is always a storytelling method. Always. I do have to say though, we're already getting people being nitpicky about things that they're seeing being filmed, which not surprising at all. Like that is the nature of things, even when it's a movie that isn't as big and anticipated as F1. But two things I saw being critiqued already is that no driver walks around with their race suit fully buttoned up. My only thing that I'm really keeping an eye on 
not that I'm the police of this or anything, but that I'm really keeping my eye on through the course of the season is how safe it will be for everyone. Because there is a level of danger when you put civilians on a racetrack behind the wheel. Like, I don't care if they're driving an F2 car, F3 car. I don't care if they're driving a go-kart. There is a level of danger when you put them out there with some of these other cars. And I, I know that they're not all out there racing with them at the same time, but even the lead up lap before the grid lineup, I'm like, there's to me, I'm like, there's so much that could go wrong, but I understand that they need to do it for the sake of the filming. The other thought that I've had is like, what do they do if they don't get all the shots that they were trying to get that weekend? Like you can't recreate Silverstone because I'm sure they're going to various races throughout the year for the mm-hmm. sake of covering various races during the movie, because it's covering the whole season of, you know, this team. And I'm like, what are they going to do? Like, what do they do if they didn't get everything they needed to get in Silverstone? It's a fix it in post thing. Um, the theory as well is that it's going to be like appears in multiple scenes, because I think that the team itself, the imaginary team is being based out of the UK as well. So I think a lot of their stuff, it's either shot indoors or it's mostly B-roll. But anyway, we will update you more as things happen because I like movies and film. I am a little bit of a nerd that way. I'm a movie nerd. So you'll hear more at a later date because I'm excited about this. Well, for today's Grand Prix segment, we are going to be looking back in history at one team in particular, the McLaren team. Honestly, it's been the Hallmark team of the weekend. I think everybody's been talking about McLaren since the Silverstone Grand Prix. And McLaren was one of three teams who introduced a special livery for this British Grand Prix this weekend. And I wanted to do a nice little deep dive into some of the history of their liveries because they gave an ode to one of their previous liveries in this special edition. So McLaren liveries have changed pretty consistently throughout the years. They haven't stuck to one thing, I think, for longer than 20 years. So most of the time it was changing due to sponsorship shifts. But the two that stand out above the rest, of course, are the papaya and chrome. And don't worry, Buck, we are also going to talk about the red and white. The two liveries that the current fans love to talk about are the papaya and the chrome, primarily because we're seeing the papaya today. And for those who followed Lewis Hamilton and his rise in his career, he got to experience the chrome era. The papaya actually was originally introduced all the way back in 1968. It was purely a strategic move. It had nothing to do with sponsorships. It was actually inspired by the Can-Am sports cars of the time. And they wanted to stand out visually compared to the rest of the cars in the championship. They wanted to look fast. Um, And so this change coincidentally came the same year that they saw victories at Spa and Monza. So it was seen to have launched them into this time of greatness. And it is commonly referred to as the working team at McLaren. This time was known as the working team team, capital W, not to be confused with Williams, also a capital W. Um, So then papaya stayed a relevant part of the livery. It wasn't always fully orange or excuse me, 
papaya. It is very important, I have learned from McLaren fans, that we delineate. It is not just orange. It is papaya. Also, to our listeners, we will have these pictures available for you to see what it is that I'm referencing and referring to. Buck, how are they going to see that? I'll put them on Instagram, Twitter, threads, and Facebook. That's right. Or they can just imagination (laughs) or they can use their imagination (laughs) and let my words paint the picture no but papaya stayed a part of the livery it originally was fully papaya and then it was developed into more of like a papaya stripe or just a papaya feature on it up until emerson fittipaldi arrived at mclaren in 1974 and This livery change came due to a sponsorship change. So this is, for Buck, the introduction of the red and white iconic Marlboro look that stayed until 1997. And the only, and of course they would change it every now and then. It wasn't always the exact same, but we saw primarily red and white until 1997. The only massive change that happened during this time, they briefly, for one race, changed it to yellow and white in 1986 when they visited Estoril. And David Coulthard and Alan Prost both raced for McLaren under the red and white livery, just to give you a couple of drivers who you might recognize that have uh, driven the red and white Marlboro McLaren. And then in 1997, we saw the papaya reemerge very briefly during testing but it was not included in the livery during the full season. I'm sure that this was also some kind of a strategic ode. And we've also learned in Formula One, people can be very superstitious. And with the papaya being linked to the working team, I I can't help but wonder if maybe there was a little bit of that in the implementation of the papaya, even in just the testing car, because they did it in 1997 and in 2006. You want the good mojo. Yes, they wanted to bring in the good juju for the sake of the season, um, but they did not implement the papaya during the full season. After this, we saw some livery changes every two or three years, mostly, again, due to sponsorship changes, but the silver, so actually, to get to the chrome, it was not immediately chrome. It was kind of a gradual drift into the into the chrome because it started out with silver. So the silver made an appearance in 1997 after, of course, the introduction of a new sponsor, but it was not yet the full chrome. The full chrome appeared in 2006 and it went on to become a symbol of great success at McLaren during the times of, as we all know, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton. The chrome stayed as a hallmark feature on the McLaren car until five races into the 2015 season, literally like in the middle of the season. I mean, not in the middle, but five races into the season, they changed it to this dark graphite gray coloration, which I kind of liked. Be sure to check out those pictures because it was kind of cool. And it stayed this way until 2017 when we all know. The papaya emerged again under the tutelage of Zach Brown. He wanted to bring back the days of old. And we still see the papaya here today. But I actually think that McLaren's been doing some really good job. Uh, some really good job. McLaren's been doing a really good job with their special liveries this season. They did the really cool, like, so tri livery to do the, like, the, the, tr- the, the 500. Yes. And then with this one, with kind of the ode to the chrome, I think we all would have liked to see a little bit more chrome on this one. But 100%. It did its job. It did its job this weekend, I will say. It blinded me a few times. 
quite frankly. Ain't that the truth. Okay. <laughs> and apparently, because Lando's helmet was basically just a mirror. And yeah. I saw someone say something along the lines of like, maybe it's a tactic. He wants to blind everybody behind him with this with this helmet. <laughs> I said, no, I think he just wanted to blend in with the car. He thought that it needed more chrome too. Yeah. It, it, uh, well, especially once you yeah. saw it, um, the pictures looked lovely. But then once you saw it on track, still the thing that stood mm-hmm. out the most was the papaya, which fair enough. Mm-hmm. It's their branding. They want they have it throughout all of the series that they're in. It is so recognizable, so easy to find. Good, fantastic. But I would have loved for it to feel like an accent this past weekend and not like it was a 50-50 split kind of a thing. Yeah. You know? And they've done they've done kind of little accent pieces in the past with these red and white stripes that would kind of line the nose of the car. And I was I had the thought that that would have been really cool if they had gone chrome and then he had done this nice black and papaya kind of lining that that would it would always be like contouring the car. They could have contoured the car with some black and papaya. That would have been yeah. really clean, but they didn't ask me so. I was so cranky at the start of the season as they were doing, as all the teams were doing their livery reveals and their season Mm -hmm. launches. And I was just like, you guys are celebrating, what is it, 60 years of something or other? And you're going with a standard livery. I had assumed that like right from the get-go, they would be going with something special, something retro, something cool. So I'm glad they did it eventually. I still wish that it would be an all-season thing, like keep the papaya, but keep it be you know a special referential yeah i would like well and if if they're like kind of superstitious like this with the papaya etc i mean clearly the papaya chrome integration brought out some really good results for them i know i'm kind of like maybe we should keep it people maybe we should keep it yeah but they're not gonna keep it it weighs a lot because everything yeah. comes down to weight. They had to take yeah. out their little digital screens oh. to make up for the weight difference. So they just had static mm. promo. Like yeah. peasants. A few Kindles. <laughs> like from the 90s. Yeah. Well. You know. Anyways, that is the history of McLaren liveries. Be sure to go and check all of them out on our Instagram, Twitter, threads and websites so that you can follow along and see all of the beautiful truly artwork that these design teams come up with on these liveries on these cars it's truly beautiful joining us all the way from the united kingdom post silverstone honestly a really great time to have him listeners don't be confused we know he sounds like lewis hamilton but it is not sir lewis hamilton here with us is ibrahim of is it still F1 Ibrahim or is it Ibrahim? F1 Ibrahim. I definitely changed it. Fibrahim. Fibrahim no, no, no. is here with us. No, F1 Ibrahim. <laughs> F1.Ibrahim, yeah. F1 Ibrahim. Yes. <laughs> F1.Ibrahim is here with us for today's checkered flag because you attended the Grand Prix this weekend in Silverstone, yes? Correct. I did. Oh, were the vibes just out of this world? As a weekend as a whole, absolutely. Um, I actually had no idea what to expect because this is, despite the fact that I've been a an F1 fan for a long time and a sports fan for my whole life, this is the first time I've ever been to a sports event live of any kind. And I, I cannot tell you, like, I was still miles away from, from the track 
and you could just hear the cars just roaring around, like the, the GT3, the Porsche Super Cup cars. And even the vibes there were just mm-hmm. off the charts. I was, wow. The number of people that were there. We were looking at, what, <clears throat> nearly half a million people throughout the weekend, well mm-hmm. over 100,000 or nearly 200,000 wow. just on Sunday alone. It was big, big numbers. So many people. I obviously want to go straight to, you know, the start when, when Lando took the lead and, oh my, probably the best moment of the year that I've experienced. The the roar from the crowd when Lando took the lead into Abbey was like nothing I've ever heard of. And I screamed as well. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. You could just hear the roar around the whole track. It, it was phenomenal. So were, were they also roaring for Lewis when Lewis finished on the podium? Definitely. And, and for Lewis's, you know, overtakes as well. A little bit uh, biased, I think, today. I mean, every the majority of the people there yeah. were Lewis fans. But just seeing Lando take that lead mm-hmm. from, from a guy like Max, who's been impenetrable mm-hmm. in terms of his lead. And we all got filled with mm-hmm. hope and seeing Oscar go for it as well. It, it was just awesome. That There are no words that can describe it. Yeah, honestly, I don't know what was louder, the, oh, the engines so cool. or, the, or the fans. On it. it was phenomenal. And you can hear it through the TV. You heard it, I think, on Saturday as well when Lando yeah. took provisional pole. Uh, yeah. Okay, and where were you watching from on Sunday? Where was I watching from? I, I actually got yeah. very, very lucky. So I got uh, general admission tickets. I was like, uh, let's, go, let's go around... Uh, Stowe, try and go around the hangar straight, see maybe we get a good spot there. And luckily, we got a spot at the end of the hangar straight at the 100 meter board. And if you have watched enough F1 or do enough sim racing, you will know that the breaking point going into Stowe is 50 meters. And I was at 100. So I quite literally got the fastest point on the track. So 200 miles an hour, literally on the spot. That is so cool. I think the thing that came to my mind first was. I refuse to believe that there is someone behind these machines. They're, they're not even F1 cars. They are rocket ships. They move insanely fast. TV mm-hmm. just does not do it justice. And I just refuse to believe that there is a, a little guy in the middle of this rocket ship moving this fast that hasn't pooped their pants. Mm-hmm. How do they do it? I have no idea. <laughs> so you were talking about the sound for a second there and when we were in Miami, that was one of the big things I noticed was not just the volume of it, but how each engine, each power unit has a distinct sound. Yeah. Do you have a favorite power unit to listen to? Honda. Honda, Honda power unit. The, mm-hmm. the Red Bull powertrain. Definitely. It's just got a bit nice. of a croakiness to it. And, and you notice that from, it the, does. Yeah. from the onwards, everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just sounds a little bit nicer. I think the Mercedes one was the loudest. And the most raucous, but... Did you get to see Brad Pitt driving the F2 car on track? He did, yeah. So you could distinctly tell by the noise it was an F2 car. It was always two, um, him and, and the teammate. Uh, they did one. They did a, mm-hmm. a little lap after the Porsche Super Cup race. And they also went to the grid, I believe. Uh, yeah, they actually parked up at, at, on the last row of the grid. Um I remember seeing the pictures and uh, all that. So, yeah, uh, 11th team on the grid. So that was interesting. Could you tell if it was them or the stunt drivers? Did they like announce like, oh, so-and-so's on track right now? Or they did didn't announce it. Guess? They didn't even tell us they were leaving the pit lane at the start when they just went out by themselves. They didn't tell us. So all of a sudden you just heard a car go by. I was like, whoa, 
Yeah, the other thing that caught me off guard was uh, I think Caroline, you I've seen I think I've seen you do this the F one experience in the supercar that was insane. And yes, even like, the hot lap. The Aston Martin. Yeah, the hot lap. Yeah, even the guys that were in the the Aston Martin SUV, the DBX, they were sending it. That was crazy. They're so fast. They're it's incredible. crazy. It it yeah. It's like yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I, yeah, because obviously you see them. Like You almost kids. have to like hold your knees to your chest because you're just going so fast. Wow. I'm used to seeing them in, in London trundling across at like five, ten miles an hour maximum. But then you see these cars <laughs> and they are sending it. I'm like, no way they're going to survive. Go for it. Yeah. You did watch the broadcast back, but during the race, you said you could see a TV. How aware were you of what? else was going on on the track did you feel like you consumed maybe 20 30 40 percent of the race or understood what was actually happening well or was it less luckily i would say the hang the hangar straight was uh, a good spot because we did see quite a few especially overtakes from the everyone i would say from 10th and below there was quite a lot of overtakes from that part that were done on the hangar straight so we did get to see a, quite a lot of those and obviously perez moving up as well but the whole situation with carlos getting obliterated uh in, in like sector one that you mentioned earlier yeah. No idea. I had no idea. So we missed out on that. <laughs> so he was just like in one place and then like later on you see him like now like four positions lower and you're like, what happened? Yeah. What what happened? So well. the nearest TV was Chapel or End of Beckett's, you know, after the S's. That's where the nearest TV was. It was quite mm-hmm. far. So I, I wish they had it one a bit closer. That would have definitely helped. Yeah, it was, it was quite far. And you could, and they obviously have the Tannoy, you know, speaking, making somewhat notable points here and there so yeah a, a lot yeah. of the stuff you had to follow with if you had to have good eyesight for it but um yeah it's quite far actually uh one of the things that looked so fun to me which we didn't get in miami in miami it was like five minutes of people being allowed to rush onto track and then they shut it down the at the end of like concert after the podium that was like 20 minutes max mm-hmm. and then they were already disassembling the track and like sending everybody home within the hour of the podium ceremony but it looked like for you guys for silverstone it looked like activities and just stuff around the track was available into the night yeah that's definitely the case and that's what i saw i didn't stay the night because i was i had some family with me that i was responsible for and i had to take them home yeah it was a lot there was a lot to do and you know there's the the ferris wheel with the google chrome thing you might have seen yes there's that as well and they had so like so many little pop-up stores like everywhere selling merch you obviously had the little simulators the tire thing um the tire change thing you know what i mean uh yeah pit stop pit stop stop practice that's it yeah (laughs) I heard that Silverstone allows you to bring in your own food and drink. I did that. I was not stopped. Montreal does too. That's amazing. Is that is that a shock? Yeah, the the ones that in, in America don't let you do that. They don't let you do anything. No way. You can't bring what? anything. Yeah. You get searched. Yeah. I have a clear bag I take to concerts so they can see what's inside. They don't have to search yes. it. And it has to be a certain size and yeah, it's, like, yeah. like that big kind of a thing. On a scale of one to ten, how much would you recommend? That particular race, a nine. If a British driver won, I'm pretty sure the scenes would have been electric. Other than that, nine. It's gotta be. It was it was phenomenal. Usually with the British Grand Prix, it's cooking. Like really bad. Mm. But uh we got a little bit lucky. In fact, on the formation lap we felt a few drops. 
Um, so I was like, oh, we could be in for a spicy race here. But uh, no, it, it held off. It was relatively cool. There was a nice breeze. You can tell actually by the race, you know, we, we had, it wasn't too hot. You know, George did almost, what, 30 laps on softs? So evidently degradation wasn't that high. All right, Ibrahim, if for... you could change one thing about the Silverstone Grand Prix, British Grand Prix experience and not the parking, because we know <laughs> the first answer would be the parking, what would your second answer be? You know what? My answer would actually make the whole parking situation worse. And that is just to add more seats, more stands. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, because <laughs> okay. we, could, we, could, we could use it. We, we have spare gaps. Yeah. We, we can fit more people in. Um, honestly, uh, for, for a brief moment, especially you know when, when Lando took the lead, it felt like a stadium. You really could hear it throughout the entire track. And that, that just felt phenomenal. So purely on that basis, I feel like more people <laughs> deserved to, to see it. Um, so yeah, more people, oh, more, more stands. Ibrahim, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a real delight to have you. And especially with how late it is there, we will let you go. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you very, very much for having me. Uh, I hope to see you at Silverstone uh, yourselves. It's, it's an experience like no other. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. I will hopefully be back very, very soon. We can't wait. See yeah. ya. Yeah. I do have to say, one of the artists I cannot stand and that it actually makes my ears bleed is listening to Justin Bieber. I do the same thing you told you not I never would. If you came here, I can't.